And Reggie's like, I'm not gonna hurt kids for no reason. Like, I'll hurt Archie. Sure. <laughs> but not random children. And Hiram's like, I don't get you. <laughs> Hiram's like, I am a cartoon villain. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 26-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is going to be your uh, top three favorite Lady Gaga songs. Um, we feel as though this um, this season Lady Gaga has been wronged, um, yes. and we would like to celebrate her instead of um, what she's been given. Thank you. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to call it my top three because it's like my top three songs, but I don't necessarily know what order they go in. Okay, sure. That's fine. Okay. So the first one I chose was Bad Romance. A classic. Yeah. That, no, that's a, good, that's a good choice. Because duh. And then I also chose a newer one. So I picked, I really liked The Cure when it came out a couple years ago. That's on my list also. I love yeah. that choice. I, I, I re-listened to it while, because I was... I was, well, to be honest, I was going to the bathroom to get ready for this podcast and I was sure. like, ah, crap. I said what the favorite or what the fun fact was going to be and I forgot to pick my favorite Lady Gaga songs. So I re-listened to it and I was like, yeah, this one can stay. And then for the third one, I was having a hard time deciding between Just Dance just because it's like the first Lady Gaga song I ever heard and it was just like iconic and um, applause because I truly do live for the applause. You do live for the applause. Yeah, you do. It's applause. I truly do. I really feel like that song speaks to my soul. Yeah, I'm fine with so that. Those are those are my three. Those are my three. Good. I'm just sorry. Just a minute. I went to go look at my Lady Gaga stuff because I was like, I have a couple favorite ones, and a lot of my um, Gaga stuff has disappeared off my phone. Offensive. Okay. That's a homophobic attack. Yeah. I. You know what, Brittany? I can't. You're on Apple Music. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you know what? I deserve that drag, but I'm still upset about it. You know. Yeah. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 31-year-old artist and writer from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting to be interesting and talking about my cat. And I sped through that because I get to talk about Lady Gaga today, and that's like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> um, so my I think my number one favorite like Lady Gaga song, like overall, is The Edge of Glory. A classic. Mm-hmm. Of course. A very good one. Thank you. I do like Born This Way, but like that's a really obvious answer for a gay woman. Yeah. You know? Spice it up, kid. Thank you. Okay. I am going to say stupid love because it was done wrong in this episode. (laughs) And I just think that it deserves peace and justice. And then this one's really hard because I think my other favorite ones from Chromatica too. I really love Sign from Above with Elton John. You really do. I really do. I knew you were going to say that one. Yeah. I just really love it. I love all Gaga's work except for Joanne, which I don't recognize as Gaga. Thank you. But it's only because it was country, but I recognize that it has like validity. (laughs) Anyway, so I went to the original Monster Ball and I'm an original little monster. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Thank you. Lady Gaga got her little monster tattoo about me. (laughs) Okay, so your picks were Edge of Glory, Sign from Above, oh, and Stupid Love. Yeah. And my name is Samantha Coley. I'm a 28-year-old television critic. You can find my words at Telltale TV. I like over 40s OTPs and making playlists. I'm on Twitter at Sam Casey's where you can find me yelling about television and fangirling middle-aged actresses. My three favorite Lady Gaga songs are, in chronological order, Judas. Oh, slaps. Judas is number one or Judas is number three? Uh, In chronological order. Like release date. Oh, I understand. Okay. Yeah. So Judas, The Cure, and I'm going to go with Sour Candy. I knew you were going to say Sour Candy because of Blackpink. I love Sour Candy. Yeah. It slaps. 
I'd like to dedicate this podcast to Lady Gaga. Thank you. <laughs> okay. I hope she likes it. Uh, I'm sure she loves it. <laughs> anyway, today we have a word to say about episode 509 of Riverdale, Destroyer, because they destroyed my love of everything. Thank you. <laughs> Destroyer is a 2018 American neo-noir crime drama film directed by Karen Kusama. It stars Nicole Kidman, Toby Kebbell, Tatiana Maslany, Scoot McNary, Bradley Whitford, and Sebastian Stan and follows a former undercover police officer who takes revenge against members of a gang years after her case was blown. Um, so this this is obviously about Betty. Yeah. This is our second to last episode before, before that super long hiatus. Which, like, I'm not upset about a hiatus because, like, we have other things to do. Yeah. But, it's um, like, why hiatus? Yeah, I, it's like, I like, I like having a break in between just because the, the seasons are so long. Mm-hmm. As a viewer, I don't like having a break in between. But as somebody whose job uh, depends on if there's a Riverdale episode or not, you know, it's nice when when you get a break. Yeah. But but three months is a long time. I just realized that I literally read an article today about <laughs> here we go, Brittany talking about Star Trek, but it's relevant. I promise. Star Trek Discovery just had to extend their shooting times because with COVID, it takes so much longer to shoot stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing that's probably what happened to Riverdale. And so they literally need the three week or the three month break to catch up. I, that yeah. makes sense to me too. Plus, also any summer she- show on the CW takes a hiatus. Like mm-hmm. if you start airing in the spring, you take a hiatus until late summer. Yeah, right. Like it happened every time we were watching the hundred too. So I'd honestly rather surprised. have the break all at once than just randomly skip weeks. Yeah. Oh, that is not my. I would, I would definitely rather just skip weeks just because then it feels like we have little breaks in between podcasts mm-hmm. and, and then I don't have to have things edited so quickly and I can just like, you know, anyway, but that's fair just enough. a podcast thing. That's fair. It's just, I'm getting like, I don't want to use PTSD because I'm trying not to use like OCD and PTSD and stuff like that because they're mental health terms. Yeah. It's not a joke. And a lot of people use it as, um. Like, just use them not the way they're properly supposed to be sure. used. But I'm, like, freaking out a little bit because uh, last time we had a really long hiatus and the storyline wasn't at all explained. <laughs> it was because of COVID. Oh, yeah. And now I'm going into another long hiatus where I have to wait and I don't know what the answers are. <laughs> you know what, though? The, the lucky thing is by the time they come back, most of our province, mm-hmm. for any new kids here, we live in British Columbia. We live in Vancouver. That's where they shoot... Um, Riverdale and most of everyone will be vaccinated by then so maybe it'll be a little bit easier yeah that'd be nice I would hope so we do have a thoughts from listeners but I really wanted to talk to you guys about how you guys felt about this episode so why don't we, let's do tutor boot first okay Brittany tutor boot um I'm gonna give it like a solid newt like not a negative newt for sure yeah but I just wasn't like too impressed with it mm-hmm. yeah what about you Sam yeah frankly same it's on the same it's on the toot side of newt yes but nothing really captivated me mm-hmm. there are like a again like a couple scenes i liked but there weren't any scenes that i like super hated so mm-hmm. it was just like fine i have a scene that i yeah. super hated <laughs> we know <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Brittany was so angry when we were watching it and i was like yeah it's not that bad it's th- it's the arrangement <laughs> this this is my heather yeah oh for sure the arrangement yeah Fair. i gotta say this was better than shallow though t- in my opinion that's oh. exactly what sam said and i completely agree incredibly okay. better than shallow yeah yeah so my i think i'm gonna go ahead and give this episode a toot but it's not like a it's not like an enthusiastic toot yeah 
Yeah. You know, like, sure. It reminds me of like, we we take Tudor Boot from RuPaul's Fashion Photo Review. If you've been with us for a while, you know that. And it kind of reminds me of when Raja and Raven, who are the queens who do the tooting and the booting, are looking at someone and they're like, mm, it didn't fit the theme at all, but it still looks good. Yeah. So I guess I'll give it a toot because exactly. I can't really give it a boot because you look bad because you don't look bad. Right. But you didn't understand what was going on at all. But I guess I'll just give it a toot. Like, that's exactly how I feel about this episode. <laughs> yeah. It was a perfectly fine episode of Riverdale, but it was only an okay episode of like reboot Riverdale. Right. Yeah. yeah. I felt that it was very um simple. It was. Yeah. It, it did not take me very much time to do my notes at all. I usually have to like split up my time and like take breaks. That's because you have the smallest storyline, you sh**. <laughs> I do notes on the entire podcast, on the entire episode. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, that's why I took the shortest summary. Okay, so uh, I owe you $2 for that comment. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> but usually I have to like split it up into like quarters and then I take like a little break in between. Yeah. But this time I straight up just sat down and did the whole episode because that's how like easy it was. It was just like not a lot of thought and not that many notes, you know, because like not a lot happened to be honest. <laughs> when the writing be simple. Yeah. Um. So before we get into the podcast, um, we had some thoughts from listeners. It's from M who is at Shelby Fatten on Twitter. If that's a The Wilds at, you're my friend now. It absolutely it has is. to be. You're my friend now. Um, Big fan. Yes, I also ship that. So, um, also, I recommend The Wilds if you guys, um, if you guys haven't seen it and you guys have Amazon Prime, I recommend it. It was great. Watch The Wilds, please. It's such a good experience. Like the first time going, oh, it's just so good. It's a delight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was a DM that we got from M. Hi guys, I've been listening to the pod for a while, but this is my first time messaging you all. First of all, I really appreciate, there's like multiple people who keep being like, hey, uh, I haven't ever wrote in, but- Long time listener, first time caller. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It's so nice to hear from you. If you guys have thoughts, please feel free to send it to us. We love hearing from you. I just listened to your Riverdale 508 podcast and I have some thoughts on Cheryl and Minerva I wanted to share. Ooh. I agree that they're both very chaotic and I was thinking it might be intentional. Minerva is very similar to Cheryl and maybe they're supposed to mirror each other. That way, if Minerva eventually does something too crazy, it'll force Cheryl to reflect on herself and realize she's the same way and maybe she'll finally get some growth. Who knows? I actually love that. I like that a lot. Using Hmm. Minerva as a mirror for home behavior. Oh, chef's kiss. Yes. It's also possible that I'm thinking far more into it than the writers did, but Cheryl desperately needs some character development. She's regressed so much, and this could be a way to do that if that's the plan. Yeah, I yeah. completely agree. And it was a bummer that she regressed. Totally. When I read that DM, I was like, exactly. Yep. And I and I, I hope that that's what they're they're trying to do. Who knows? But <laughs> but I hope it is. I'm for this. I love this. Yeah. Thank you for writing us, M. Yes, thank you. Uh, if anybody else wants to write to us, um, uh, you can DM us on Twitter like um, the past few people have, uh, or our email is afficionadospodcast at gmail.com. I try and keep a, a hold of like all of the things that we do and look at all of like the direct messages that we get. So uh, if you direct message us somewhere, I should get it. <laughs> we'll find it eventually, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> so we split this podcast into three storylines, Heaven, Barchi, and Bughead. Okay. Weird to say that there's <laughs> that there's Barchi and Bughead storylines, but oh, like, thanks, there I are. Know. So we're going to start with Kevin. Um, and I did the summary for Kevin because it's the smallest storyline. So sorry. No, I, I now understand and I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. I love you. I love you. 
Uh, okay, so this is my summary for the Kevin storyline. Tom helps Kevin pack up his things at his apartment with Fangs and Tony. Tom is worried about him and tries to have a heart-to-heart with Kevin, but he doesn't want to talk about it. Later, Cheryl tries to play marriage counselor with Kevin and Fangs. Fangs tries to figure Kevin out and is genuinely hoping to fix this, but Kevin tells Cheryl to butt out and leave him alone. Back in the El Royale sauna room, where Kevin usually hangs out with Fangs, he meets Shane. He's here visiting from LA. Kevin tries to flirt with him, but the dude beats him up for flirting with him. We make jokes a lot about what is and isn't a hate crime on this show, but wow, this actually is one. Yeah, that's uh, a... That's a hate crime, my friend. Tom helps clean Kevin up and they finally have that talk. Kevin reveals that he's ashamed of being gay, which stemmed from a comment that his mother made once. That's why he sneaks around and is afraid to be happy. Keller hugs him and promises that they'll find their way through this. Okay. Yeah, I, um, it's, this is an interesting, uh, this is an interesting direction for Kevin to go that I did not expect at all. I don't like it. They were like, these gay people are too happy and too functional. Mm -hmm. I'm so sick of storylines involving gay characters that are just, wow, being gay is so hard and exhausting. Like, yeah, it is. I know! I know, because I am gay. Like, I see that in my own life. I don't need to watch it on TV. I want to see my people happy. And it's like, other shows explore this theme really well. Riverdale never has and never will. You Which know? is a shame, because there are gay people in that writer's room. Yeah. I, um... I think that if they wanted to go the internalized homophobia route, which I'm not really sure why they did, but if they wanted to do that, I don't really like that they chose to make it be, like, have the incident, like, the inciting incident of that, I mean, being, like, thanks to Kevin and stuff, but Kevin actually being attacked in an actual hate crime. Yeah. Just thoughtless, needless, ignorant, stupid. It actually does make me wonder if there are any queer people in that writer's room because what the hell were you thinking? Kevin, from the very beginning, has been like, hi, I'm the gay one and I'm really secure in that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they were like, he has trauma and he secretly hates himself. I'm like, you know what? People have been homophobic to me. Doesn't mean that I think that there's anything wrong with me. Yep. Yeah. Feels like since we know how many queer people are in that writer's room, it like makes me think that someone's writing from from experience. Which like, fine. But you know who would have been better for that storyline then? Fangs. Fangs. Yeah. Literally uh, anybody but Kevin. You know what? Bring Moose back for this. Moose is the perfect character for this. Exactly. Yep. Like we've done the whole like homophobic parents internalized homophobia thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's fine to write this sort of thing from experience. It's just you need to put it on a character that it makes sense for. Yeah. You can't just project it onto like Kevin because he needs a storyline and you can't think of anything else. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. So Tom wants to talk to Kevin about his like abrupt left turn from the happy life that he was about to have. Um, And Kevin's like, well, it was my decision. And okay. says that maybe he doesn't deserve to have a family. And Tom is like, what? You don't believe that you, like you don't actually believe that you don't deserve happiness, right? And Kevin's like, I don't want to talk about it. And that's sure. that full scene. I am pleased, however, because I was specifically asking last episode for a Keller to Keller heart to heart, and I got it. <laughs> Just like, not what I expected. But like, got at what cost? Yeah. Yeah. The cost, it was too high. So Cheryl, once again, just like does stuff and then just tries to fix it all the time the next episode. It's getting annoying. Like it's already been annoying, but like, you know, she's like, I want to do whatever I want. I don't care for any, like if anybody else's, if, if it ruins anybody else's life, I don't care or whatever. And then this episode, she's like, I have to right a wrong or I'll right? never live with myself. <laughs> like, the way they write Cheryl infuriates me because, like, it's so inconsistent and they you can tell they just use her as a plot device. And, like, yes. they've done it to Alice in the past, too. Like, especially Cheryl and Alice, I think, are the biggest victims of this. But, like, mm-hmm. they do it with the, those two characters all the time. And I'm mm-hmm. like, 
thanks. Um, that's not what I wanted. Yeah. So Cheryl brings Kevin and Fangs to her house and she's like, Tony may never forgive me, but I need to forgive myself. And then says hashtag Kangs. Stupid. I I like that she did it though. I like that her conscience is back. Yeah. For sure. I just wish that she learned from this. Same. And learned from like all the times that she's done it before. Like I thought it was a really good scene, but I like, yeah, I'm just, it's the inconsistencies are exhausting. Mm-hmm. So they say that her party brought up deeper issues with, with them and Kevin's never been all in and has always been holding back, which is exactly what I said last episode. And then he asks if he's ashamed of being gay. And I'm like, okay, like this would make sense if we had seen that from Kevin at all, other than him like cruising all the time. Right. He's like, you could hook up with randoms because you don't want to be in a real relationship with a real gay man. And I'm like, listen, I appreciate the fact that that Fangs is gay. But like I said with Tony, that if she slept with a man, like at least then that would like remind everybody of the representation that she is, that she is a bisexual woman. And she specifically has said that in the past. Fangs was with Midge. So, you know, Fangs is also a bisexual person. Or he 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 was gay and just, just didn't know it yet. Yeah, he could have like. Oh, that's true. It's, sexuality is a fluid sliding scale, so it can change over time. And he could have mm-hmm. decided by now that he is just gay. Yeah. But yeah, like you're right. Beca- and the reason you're right is because the show should have said something. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, if that was true, I guess. And also, it's just like if you swapped every single one of these lines and made them come from Fangs instead of from Kevin, they would have made perfect sense. Mm-hmm. I agree. So that's that. Like at this point, I'm rooting more for Fangs than Kevin because I was like- Oh, for sure. Because this doesn't make any sense. So it's just dumb. It's It sucks. I, I wanted to root for the trio of Tony, Kevin, and Fangs uh, like so bad. And yeah. now Kevin's mm-hmm. like, bye. And I'm like, okay, well, Tony and Fangs are my best friends. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. the thing that like really bummed me out is they had such a cool- po- And I think they might be heading back towards that. Yeah. But the potential of... Well, either way, there's a baby who's coming. This, you know? this is just yeah. a, such a wasted storyline for Kevin. Like, it, I, yeah. I don't... This is stupid and I don't care about it. They could have folded him into any other story. Yeah. Like, either way, that baby's coming whether you're joining the group or not. Yeah. Like, it's coming. So, so Fangs is like, I just want to know everything about you because we were supposed to get married. So I want to know, like, the good stuff and the bad stuff about you. And Kevin's like, I'm leaving. All right. Fangs is like, listen, Cheryl is not a marriage counselor, but uh, if I'm going to get free half-assed marriage counseling, I'm going to give it a shot. Especially because I think Cheryl was poking at all the right issues. Yeah, Yeah. she really was. So Kevin goes to the sauna and he meets Shane, who's visiting from LA, who is just looking, looking to, who who, who looks hot because he's from LA. I'm like, do they say that? He's like, I guess what, you know what they say about LA, guys? And I'm like, what do what do what do they say about Lego? He's like, well, what do they say about Riverdale guys? And he's like, ooh, why don't you find out? And so uh, the guy straight up beats him up. And my question is, why didn't you say something when he called you hot? Right. Exactly. Like that guy fully like you n- should have known what was happening there. T. And then when he, yeah, that Shane, explain. Actually, I don't want to hear from you. Bye. <laughs> So Keller brings him ice, tells him to keep the cuts clean. Tom, I love you so much. You're the police. Uh-huh. Arrest him for assault. Well, well it, it might be that Kevin didn't tell him who did it. Well, arrest him for performing an actual hate crime. Like, okay, well, if I was Tom Keller, I'd be like, okay, you don't have to tell me who it is, but I'm looking at the cameras and I'm going to find who did it. Yeah. Because that's your son. Yeah, but then uh, Tom's going to find out what Kevin was doing. I think I think Tom already knows. That Kevin was hitting on a guy? Probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
Because, like, he knows he broke up with Fangs because he, like, helps him move his stuff out. Yeah, good point. And he knows that he's a, he's always going cruising in the woods. And then after this conversation, Kevin says that he's still doing it and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Tom is like, listen, you're a grown up, but I'm still really scared for you. And I, I gotta say, isn't this what Betty was worried about in season two? Like, Kevin kept doing this, um, and, like, I think it was partially because the Black Hood was out there and was gonna, like, kill him or whatever. Um, but, like, Kevin was constantly, like, going out there and, like, cruising, and we were all like, keep it to yourself, Betty. Right? And now, and now it turns out that, I don't know. Like, we thought we, she was wrong for, like, butting in and, like, not letting him do whatever he wants. Right. Like, yeah, be safe because the Black Hood's out there, but, like, you can't, like, police what he does. And now, and now they're telling us that she was, like, right? <laughs> Well, like, it's one thing for Kevin have Kevin to have been, like, going cruising just because, like, that's the only place he can find guys. But mm-hmm. now they're telling me that the reason Kel- Kevin goes cruising is because it's the only way he can get serotonin because his mom was homophobic one time. Yeah, exactly. And he it really makes it sound like she was only homophobic that one time. Right. Hey, baby, do you want to break off our entire engagement because your parents were homophobic once? No. Okay, good. Yeah, good. All right. Okay, so you guys are good over there? Yeah. yeah. Turns okay. out that um we make good decisions. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I um and also I do have to say that like he's not going cruising out there as like a 13-year-old, you know? Like her that comment that she made was probably when he was like in high school already. Right. I would under like obviously it was horrible no matter when it was that she said it, but like it would have made more sense to me storyline wise if she had said it when he was like going into like fourth grade or something. Yeah, right. So yeah. He says that he is ashamed of being gay. Do you guys think that he knew that before Fang said it? Or is he just understanding what it is now? I he might be just understanding it now. Yeah. yeah. Like he knows that he he just like wants to keep cruising, but he doesn't yeah. know why. Right. Until it's pointed out. So Keller is really worried that it was his fault. Poor sweet Tom. He's so good in this scene too. It's not your fault, but you were a really good dad. He's such a good dad. I love Tom Keller. And it was his mom's fault. Yeah. Um, and I've been waiting for them to bring up Kevin's mom, but I didn't want her to be terrible. Right. Yeah, I didn't want her to be a homophobe, but uh, all right. Like, uh, thanks, that's not what I meant. Yeah, I'm also waiting for them to tell us where Sierra and Josie are still. Right? So that's kind of kind of weird. Um, like it's fine that they're not there. I just want to know where they are. It's been seven years. Did you guys did you guys get a divorce? Like you guys were so happy. Right. Explain. They're not gonna tell us. Just like they're not gonna tell us where FP is. Yeah. It's like Sierra. They're still married. Sierra's just like visiting Josie in New York again. Yeah. Again, all the time, constantly. So he says that it was when they were back to school shopping, and she said that they needed to buy him husky clothes. I didn't know what that meant, and so I looked it up, and all I got were dogs in ties. <laughs> you know what? I think that's good for you. You know? Yeah, I don't. They just mean like what is it? Like like macho clothes, more masculine. I think. Oh, okay. I think is what they meant. Yeah, like. But it could also be like fat shamey, but like we've never. That's never been. Yeah. A thing. Yeah, I just thought yeah. that word choice was really. It was weird. Interesting. <laughs> Um, yeah, I looked it up. I literally searched maybe, I'm like, maybe I'm ignorant. And so I literally just searched husky clothes and I got huskies in clothes. <laughs> Honestly, so, like you could have had a worse time on here on true. the internet. Um, so he says that he told his mom that he was meeting Betty and instead went to Fox Forest to like cry. And then he found a guy there, like not knowing it was a spot for cruising. And then just like the things that those dudes said to him made him feel better about what, like about himself. And so he just kept going. Even though I'm sure Fangs would give you a million words of affirmation if you wanted them. Right. Exactly. Because like, you know, and that, ooh, hmm. Remember last episode, I think, when Kevin was like, 
or no, Fang, Fang said that Kevin looked really good and Kevin was like, I'm just trying to um, keep up with you, you know? And so I'm like, Kevin, look, he even said it like last episode, he said how great you look. Like he literally validates you all the time. Yeah. Um, and so I assume this was back to school, like high school time because uh, he was friends with Betty and he was, and, and you're not cruising as like a child. It's the, it's the, the way that they reveal it and, and like make it about him and just like getting that high of being like complimented. Mm-hmm. It makes it sound like Kevin has a sex addiction yeah. instead of like, that's exactly what it actually what it is, like. which makes me feel weird. Yeah. That is quite literally exactly what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, didn't, don't, didn't really care for this storyline. Let's let, that's it. Let's move on. Let's, let's, let's end it. Yeah. Cool. So next storyline is Varchi. And I did the storyline. You know what? Never mind. <laughs> I think that the Varchi storyline was actually longer than the Bughead storyline, but the Bughead storyline is like more interesting and has more like conversation with it. So that's why we're doing the Varchi storyline first. T. I would have liked this Varchi storyline if they had like taken out the part where they were like together again. Yeah, exactly. It would have been like, I, like yeah. I've been saying they, they give off such good friendship vibes and I would have exactly. loved them to be like this dynamic duo in which they're just friends. Same. It's totally doable. Do it. <laughs> exactly. Do what you cowards. Please. All right, here we go. The Bulldogs are having a no good, very bad time at football as they lose yet another game. Cheryl and the Vixens watch from the sidelines and talk about how they're wasting time here instead of trading for regionals. Archie tries to give the team a pep talk, but they're really disheartened. Veronica Moneybags comes in and (laughs) incentivizes the whole sport. She offers 10K to the Bulldog that scores first. Like $10,000 would change my life, especially in high school. Holy crap. I have a big complaint about that. (laughs) okay when we get there veronica and archie hang back in the locker room for some god-awful reason it must smell terrible archie worries that because they can't win they can't get this fan support or rally the town the way he intended veronica says that she'll work on getting riverdale behind them as long as he keeps the team motivated then they make out because i can't have anything nice yep veronica reaches out to tabitha to have about having a pancake breakfast at pops to have the team mingle with the people of the town she loves the idea. Together, they decide that Pops is the official sponsor of the Bulldogs. Barchi asks Cheryl to donate uh, maple syrup to the pancake breakfast, but she's like, pass, you losers are uh, so bad that we're not even going to cheer for you anymore. <laughs> uh, Archie has Miss Bell announce the pancake breakfast, though, and Cheryl agrees to bring the Vixens for one last game, and maybe she'll even participate, too. Uh, they hold the pancake breakfast, and Cheryl even helps out. Archie sits with his star player, Derek, and his mom, and tells them how crucial Derek is to the team. Archie wants him to be captain. His mom, however, disagrees. She thinks that he could get a scholarship for football if he were on a team that didn't suck so much. Uh, Veronica interrupts them to tell Archie that Reggie is here, and he sits down with them and tells them he wants the Bulldogs to just, like, get out of the league. Uh, But they're like, no. Then Veronica confronts Hiram about trying to bully them out of the league. He tells her that he doesn't know jack about the Bulldogs, except that they're big, fat losers. She says, bet, if Stonewall can keep them from scoring, they'll withdraw from the league. But if they score at all... Hiram has to convince the commissioner to stop trying to get rid of them. Quite literally bet. (laughs) Right, literally bet. In the locker room, Britta tells Archie that Derek transferred to Stonewall. They're down a player, but Veronica now has an idea. What else is new? (laughs) Right. She brings in a professional football player that she knows from New York to motivate the team. He gives a big speech about succeeding in a small town, and he wants to see Britta in action. Then Archie asks some bystanders if they also want to play football. So now they have enough players. Hiram has concern that the Bulldogs are giving Riverdale a foothold. 
He wants Reggie to break the legs of someone on the team, but he Reggie draws the line at hurting high schoolers. Hiram takes him out of coaching for this game, and Reggie's like, fine, I'm rooting for the Bulldogs anyway. Come on, Reggie, redemption arc. At the game, Cheryl leads the Vixens in a not great but still better than shallow yep. performance of Stupid Love by Lady Gaga. <laughs> in the final minute of the game, Stonewall is leading Riverdale 52-0. to zero. Archie gives the kids a pep talk and tells them, to give it their best, but he's proud of how hard they've worked anyway. Uh, Britta t- fakes a handoff and sprints down the field as we watch in slow-mo. She scores for Riverdale's very first point, and I'd just like to congratulate on her, her on her $10,000. Uh, Veronica congratulates Archie after the game and basically tells him that this feels like a turning point. Derek stops by and congratulates them on a good game as well, and Archie shares the sentiment back. Yeah, that was a storyline about football. I mean, I guess it sure was a lot of stupidness. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot of fo- about football, and I say that every time we get a, an episode that's all about football. Um, I like high school football because it makes me really nostalgic. Mm. I liked going to high school football games a lot as a kid. I, I simply did not go to any of them at my school, and now I'm like, mm, I wish we had a baseball team. Like, I didn't go when I was in college, but I love mm-hmm. high school football games. If, if we had had a baseball team, I would have been, like, at every game. Nice. Our school was all about um basketball. Mm. Yeah, ours was about volleyball, weirdly enough. Nice! Yeah, big volleyball school our high school was. I watched all the sports. So they're at football practice, they're cheering on... Derek, I really like now that our heroes are no longer teens, the teens in the show actually look like teens. Yeah. Wow. It's nice. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. They, maybe they were actually like, because the teens are like tertiary characters yeah. at yeah. most, they were able to hire like younger actors. Right. Like even if they're just 18. Yeah. So no one comes to see the games and the cheerleaders hate being there because they lost the game again and Cassandra thinks that they should be practicing for regionals. Um, and Cheryl's like, same. Cassandra, you have obligations as a, as a cheerleader yeah. to be at the other games because that's part of the obligations of being a cheerleader. Cassandra, you don't really seem like a team player. Drag her. So they lost against the Baxter High Ravens and Britta is the team captain. I was watching this episode live and um, our friend Dave uh, was talking to me about it in my DM because we were both watching it live. And he was like, oh my God, Britta's the team captain. And I was like, how do you know? She has a giant C on her uniform. Um, I don't know <laughs> things because I don't know things about football. But Britta is the team captain, okay? Just know that. I like that. I love that. The problem that I have later is that Archie goes to um, Pops at the pancake breakfast and is like, Derek, I want you to be our team captain. I'm like, you already have a team captain. Wait, so she was captain yes. before he was trying to give it yes. away? what the hell she already had the c on that might have been a continuity error maybe but either way i was like excuse me you have one already and she's great yeah i suspect that's a continuity error so veronica says that she's gonna give ten thousand dollars to whoever scores first and britta ends up getting it which i really love and i i hope that she does something that we see her get to do something really cool with it like or like just she'll probably use it for college right or just like say that she's doing something with it like i hope they don't just forget that veronica was supposed to give her a bunch of money yeah so i but i do have a problem with this um it's really awesome that britta ends up getting it but i don't feel like this incentivizes exactly what you want to incentivize because if i'm on that team i'm pretty sure it's illegal yeah and also if i'm on that team i'm thinking okay well I'm not, I'm no longer just trying to get a goal. I'm trying to be the one who scores. So they're all going to be at the end zone or whatever it's called. And then like, like th- just the teamwork I think is going to break down because people are are going to stop being like, I just want to get a, a score. And instead being like, I need to be the one that scores and they'll no longer be like throwing it to each other and stuff. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, that's fair enough. 
Because, like, there are, there are also, like, only a certain amount of players yeah. that are the ones that run to do scoring. Right. Like, if I'm, like, one of the defensive people, I'm like, okay. Yeah, most football players are defensive. Yeah. Which makes me think that later, when you see all of the other guys, like, like tackling the people who are in Brito's way, it makes me think, and I'm definitely thinking too far into this, this is simply just a headcanon, but my headcanon is that they all decided that Brit- Britta was the one who should get it, and then they, like, all mm-hmm. worked together so that Britta would get it. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot, too. Honestly, she if she doesn't use it for college, it would be nice to, like, see the whole team split the $10,000. Yeah. Oh, that would be cute. Derek um, doesn't seem really into it because he probably knows that the teamwork is going to uh, to immediately stop. But Archie comes up to Derek and everyone else is in the background, but Archie tells Derek that he was the best <laughs> while everyone else is probably listening. Cool. Veronica says that she's going to get the town to back the Bulldogs again. Pops is going to host a pancake breakfast and become the official sponsor of the Bulldogs because Tabitha says that she likes supporting the underdogs, which is why she likes Jughead. <laughs> literally Dude. what a friggin' drag have you guys seen the trailer for next week's episode no Not yet have you guys seen uh any clips from it or pictures no no we've just watched it a- oh my gosh <laughs> exciting okay <laughs> yeah we watched on netflix again because okay yeah i'm excited for you so uh tabitha's gonna order the syrup and uh veronica's like don't i'm gonna get it from cheryl and cheryl's like no I don't want to help with that or All the right. cheer squad because the team sucks and we don't want to be associated <laughs> with a team that sucks because we don't suck. And Archie's like, how dare you? And goes to do an announcement over the intercom in the middle of the day <laughs> while everyone else is, is trying to teach. Well, you know, he's a really considerate guy. And he also swears twice. <laughs> <laughs> he says he says asses and hell, I think. Or maybe he says damn. I don't remember. It's like... Some of the small ones, so, like, it's probably fine. But I just think it's funny that Weatherby is, like, constantly, like, yelling at Jughead and being like, I, you're out of here if you mess up one more time. And, like, uh, to be fair, Jughead's mess up was larger than Archie's mess up. But we never see it Weatherby, Weatherby be like, uh, Archie, why'd you take those kids to a burning building? You know? I'm like, oh, Archie yeah. also makes mistakes, just to be clear. <laughs> right. Just FYI, sometimes Archie's an idiot. Archie mentions the free pancake breakfast, and then we get a shot of Jughead being like, what? Oh, I like pancakes. And I think it's partially because, wow, free pancakes. But he's also like, ah, oh, crap, do I have to work that? <laughs> he's like, oh, it pops. I didn't even know about that. Um, so Cheryl says that they will cheer at one more game and that Cheryl will also perform uh, because it's what people actually want to see. And I'm like, I, I don't so- know. I think parents will want to come and like see their kids performing. <laughs> what? I think it's so funny that Cheryl does this whole big production of a performance and um, Tony isn't even there. Right. Kate. Vanessa's like, I'm giving, I'm having a baby. <laughs> Do you know what is so stupid about this, Robin? What? Stupid Love is the perfect song for Cheryl to sing to mm. Tony. Absolutely. Yeah. I am furious. I, like, if I was in the crowd, I'd be like, why is this adult woman sexy dancing in front of all of these high schoolers? Well, yeah. I'm with you there. And also I thought, you odd. know what, Cheryl? If Miss Appleyard did this to you last season, you would absolutely lose it. Yeah, like, I'm surprised these girls aren't like, excuse me, can I be in the front? Right. Like, because they're probably trying to get like scout, scouted for college and stuff, mm-hmm. too. I always love when this show is like, hey, we're cheerleaders, but let's do a dance number that isn't really cheering for anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, you know, I, it reminds me of like the Jailhouse Rock or thing that they did in season three. And I know that was just to like, wait, yeah, this isn't cheerleading. Like it's boost morale or whatever. But you're not even saying go Bulldogs. Yeah, like it's not. This is just a dance routine. Like Brittany pointed out, like she should have sung this song to Tony mm-hmm. if they were going to use right, this right. song. It's the perfect Shoney song. And it's just like, 
okay, what does this have to do with football? Like, if you were gonna do <laughs> a Lady Gaga song, like, right now, why don't you do Rain On Me? Because it's literally raining while you play football. Thank like, you. I, what do you... It doesn't... I looked at that, and I don't know if it was raining. It looked like it was raining when I watched the okay. clip, but yeah. You know what? Like, if you could pick... Maybe it was just cold. If you could do any other Lady Gaga song, I mentioned applause. You're trying to get people to cheer, right? Right. Do applause. Oh my god, that would have been so much better. Or The Edge of Glory. Yeah. Oh, right! Oh, exactly! Yes! Because they're about to score? Edge. Literally, yes. The Edge of Glory is perfect. I think, like, Cheryl could do a myriad of other Lady Gaga songs. This one just didn't right. really make that much sense. <laughs> so, um, Cheryl brought syrup to the breakfast, even though she said she wasn't going to. Archie talks to Mrs. Davis, because his name is Derek Davis, and tells her how great Derek is, um, and that he wants to make him captain. But Britta is already captain, so um, don't do that. Rude. Um, and she basically says this team isn't good enough for him, and it won't help him get a scholarship. And I really like that Archie doesn't blame Derek at all for what yeah. happens here, because he understands yeah. that, like, this was important for Derek's future. Yeah. I really liked seeing that, because I think that uh, that an, a younger Archie would be, uh, would hold a grudge. Like, he doesn't blame him then, but, like, he does slam the lockers when Britta tells That's him. That's true. But- I mean, that was his, in, like, his first reaction, mm-hmm. though, and then he had to go think about it for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, and I also think that that wasn't necessarily directed specifically at Derek, and it was probably just because, like, Stonewall. now he's messed up. Like, not only does Stonewall get something good, but also now he, he's, like, down a player, like, like, physically cannot play. Totally. Yeah. So, Veronica's also talking to Britta and her mom, and I'm like, excuse me, I'm way more interested in this conversation. <laughs> than the other conversation. Why can't we talk about this? <laughs> Reggie shows up. Veronica and Archie go talk to him. Reggie does this little wave and I'm like, I love you, you stupid himbo. <laughs> he says that he's re- a representative of the league and you make us look bad, so please back out. Okay. <laughs> and they're like, no. And Veronica says, I want the names of everyone in this so-called league. And I'm like, what do you mean so-called? <laughs> it's the league. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, it's just a league. Yeah. And Reggie's like, doesn't it make you sad seeing them lose? And Archie's like, it doesn't matter if we lose. It just matters if we we love the game and we have fun. And Reggie's like, whatever. And like, leaves and calls everyone in the <laughs> restaurant a loser. Archie? <laughs> He's such a dick. I, I, I gotta say, I loved that scene. Archie's right, though. Yeah. Um. So Veronica knows that Hiram is behind this. And so she goes to him and he says, all I know is that the Bulldogs are garbage. Um. By the way, that's my favorite line award because I think that's a fr- Everything Hiram says is pure gold. So true. Like, I used to think, what is Mark Consuelos doing on this show? But now I'm like, he's having the time of life. It's time of his life is what he's yeah. doing. He's just having a great day every day he gets to show up to this stupid mm-hmm. show. Skeet. Yeah. Um, Skeet. Skeet. Mean, I guess. <laughs> I guess Skeet doesn't get to be a fun uh, villain. Like, I really think that Mark's just having the best time. That's true. Yeah, but Skeet had other incentives. So true, Queen. Yeah, and it was kissing Machen. Yeah. So he's like, they haven't even scored this season. And Veronica's like, well, they're playing the Stallions this week. So we're going to have a bet that if we score, you lay off. And if we don't score, then we'll bow out of the league. And Hiram's like, cool. I'm just zooming through this because there's, to be honest, not that much to say about it. Yeah. No, there really isn't. Like, as much time as they took up, there's not a lot of content. Like, there's a lot. Like, there were several scenes in the episode, but not a lot happened. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, they were all very... To the point. It's filler. So Derek transferred to Stonewall. So now they don't have enough players. That's that whole scene. Veronica and Archie are in bed. It looks like it's Veronica's. It doesn't look like Archie's house. So I assume that it's in 
Veronica's house, but it's different from what? When we saw this shot, I just, um, I immediately started booing like out yeah. loud. <laughs> and like, and like we say every single episode, it's really, it's not about Varchi. It's just the fact no. that we have had Varchi for such a long time and they gave us something new and then they took it away. It's just like, Varchi was only like semi-interesting to begin with to me personally. Right. And now that it's Varchi, but with cheating to spice it up, I'm like even less interested. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. Yeah. Like at least with Betty and Archie, it was new and also like, oh, it was so fun because like they've never slept together. So like, how's that going to go? And then like seeing Varchie in bed, it's like, how I, I, I can count on, I can't count on two hands. How many times I've seen Varchie in bed? You know, like I, I literally, it's more than 10 yeah. at least. I want to say like more than like 15 probably. Is the amount of times that we've seen Varchie in bed. Exactly. It's just, it's so many. But um, I don't think it's Archie's house that they're at, but it looks different from Veronica's. So either she's sleeping in her parents' old bedroom or like the um, renovations are going faster than I thought. That's possible, actually. Where do you guys think Eric is this episode? It really seems like he would have a good time at the football game. Probably. I mean, he's probably like sprucing up the firehouse or something. I just wish he would, like, I understand that, like, you can only have actors for a certain amount of episodes and he's more needed in those other episodes. I just feel like um, he probably would have, like, enjoyed the heck out of that football game. Probably. He's my friend. Oh, all right. So Archie says that he can't blame Derek for leaving, like, for his future, but the team needs motivation and Veronica's like, okay, I'll handle it. So they're at practice and uh Britta's like why are we even practicing when we don't have enough players we can't even play anyway and Archie's like just because we are having a good time (laughs) so bless his stupid heart Veronica brings her friend from New York that we saw in 504 um he plays for the New York Goliaths which is just a Riverdale name for the New York Giants yeah um however I know so little about football that I was like oh no is this guy actually an athlete that I should have recognized in 504 But he's not. He's just an actor. (laughs) He's just an actor. And I also was like, oh, God, now I have to look up the New York Goliaths. I don't know anything about that. It's just the New York Giants, you guys. (laughs) It's like, no, you don't. I did look it up, though. And the first. Oh, okay. Yeah, the first search result was for non-canon Star Wars wiki. Sure. What? What kind of non-canon it was is what I was struggling with. I was like, fan fiction? Like, fan made videos like I, I have no idea what kind of non-canon it was i'm gonna assume it's beta canon but apparently that's the name of a team in the jawa football league oh incredible that somebody made up <laughs> and my favorite part of the article because sure. i did read it all my favorite part of the article <laughs> was the end which says they suck and no one likes them <laughs> oh my god well, that's my favorite part well all right so the guy is t-dub and they're like oh my god it's t-dub so that makes me think his name is T and then his last name is W, I assume. Probably. Yeah. Or starts or starts with a W. I'm like, wouldn't it be T dubs? Is that something already? I don't know. I'm gonna say Terrence Ooh. Terrence Williams. Good. Sure. Terrence Williams is his real name. I like Terrence. That's yeah. nice. That tracks. Um well my uh my cousin's name is TJ and his first name is Terrence. So that's where I got that. Nice smart cookie. Um, but their colors are black and red. I was like, oh, well, are the New York Giants colors black and red? Um, I, no. th- they have so many different colors of, yeah. of, I, I just gave up. <laughs> Spice of life. Um, so they're like, do a speech. And so he does a speech and he says that he came also from a small town. Which town? They'll never tell us that. This, this reminds me of that John Mulaney bit where, he, where, um, some guy does a, like, or the pastor does a sermon about like, uh, a woman goes to the mall with her child or whatever. And it's like, what mall? 
What was the child's name? Your story has a lot of holes. <laughs> Your story's a little vague. Yeah. I'm like, which small town did you come from? Explain more. I love that sermons are basically just Bible fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. Or that t- that TikTok of the, the guy singing, um... The bread of God is bread. bread. Don't stop believing. Yeah. And you have to explain don't stop believing as you, like, oh, the right. crowd just, like... I think I saw that one, yeah. Where was a train going? <laughs> oh, right, like, uh, the... It's, like, the SNL, uh... Wasn't it Andy Samberg? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. So he's, like, you're not underdogs, you're bulldogs. And I'm, like, okay, that's a pretty good line. All right, you can keep that one. And then Archie says, you know what, this is really the shot in the arm we needed. And I'm like, ah, I see what you did there. <laughs> we all, uh, so you're subtextually telling me that I should get a shot in the arm? That I need the vaccine. I, if I could, I mm. would, sir. If I could, I would. I, I, would, I would love, love to, see to get it. a shot in the I arm. I would love to get the forbidden juice. <laughs> I would love a shot in the arm, personally. I, I'd take two. I'd take two. Yeah. Several weeks apart. Which one do you want? Me? I'll take, yeah. uh, I think, I think with all the information, my main goal, like if I were to, to, if I got to pick, I'd pick Pfizer. I think that yeah, I think that Moderna for a while was like my front runner, but now with all of the like really bad side effects that people are getting, it's like if I have to get Moderna, I will. But I think if I if I got to choose, I'd choose Pfizer. Same. Yeah. If I got to pick, I'd choose Pfizer as well. Um, but I'll also take the Dolly shot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll give me give me the Dolly juice. I want Pfizer first. I'm not really interested in Johnson and Johnson, and I don't have an opinion on AstraZeneca. Yeah. I think I think I would. I'd be happy with either Pfizer or Moderna. Yeah. Anyway, I guess what, what 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 I'm trying to say to the people who are listening is no matter which one you get, please get it. But yeah. also, like, if you have the option already, yeah. do it for me. Yeah, exactly. Because please, I can't yet. Please, I'm so jealous. Yeah, I'm waiting. Yeah. I literally am going to vomit. Like, every American in, mo- in a lot of states is, like, eligible for a vaccine. And and I, I am not. I, I want to see Brittany walk into a vaccine station and be like, if you don't give me one right now, I'm going to throw up all over your floor. I will do it. <laughs> I will do it. And they're going to be like, they're going to be like, well, that's going to stop us from vaccinating other people because we're going to have to clean that up first and make sure it's sanitary. And Brittany's going to be like, you know what? That's fair. Uh, OK, maybe I won't. I'll just sit here quietly and hope. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, it's, it's like when I threatened if I didn't see the chromatic ball. Yeah. <laughs> So Veronica like brings in a whole bunch of more people, which I assume are following the fact that T Dub is here, um, and one of them will play. Which one? I don't know, but a whole bunch of them yeah, said sorry. they would. So Hiram is pissed that people are coming together for this and asks Reggie to target their weak links. And Reggie's like, "We don't have to. We're just gonna beat them because we're better than them." Because I assume he doesn't know about Hiram's bet, right? Because uh, yeah, I think that uh, Reggie doesn't care if they get one score or like one point, um, but Hiram does. So that's why Hiram's like, we have to stop them from playing altogether. And Reggie says that he's not going to... Hiram is a butthead. (laughs) And Reggie's like, I'm not going to hurt kids for no reason. Like, I'll hurt Archie. (laughs) But not random children. And Hiram's like, I don't get you. (laughs) I don't understand. Hiram's like, I am a cartoon villain. I'm far too villainous to care about the well-being of children. I don't understand. I don't understand this at all. Mm-mm. Yeah, so Hiram's pissed because uh, Reggie won't commit assault on children. And Reggie's like, all right, I'm going to go cheer for the Bulldogs then. Is this what flips Reggie to the good side again? Because I, to be yes. honest, I expected something a little more dramatic than this. No, I expected something this stupid the entire time. 
It just really felt like it was something that um, they were like building to, to me. You think? With Reggie's redemption arc? Yeah, because, uh, you know, we got the beginnings of it when he helped Betty find the body of Margaret and everything. Um, I just felt like it was such a slap in the face when we saw it in 504 that, oh my God, Reggie's evil now. That like, we're going to have to work towards getting Reggie back, but ultimately we will because ultimately he's a good man. Exactly. So I don't know. I just expected more. And like, I mean, with my own headcanon, with like the whole symbolism of the of the uh, the dream that Archie had in, in 504 was that like the people who needed help were Jughead, Cheryl and Reggie. And so I don't know, maybe I, I mean, I was thinking far way too into it. But um, but I just expected there to be like a whole thing about Reggie coming back to the good side and ultimately like being the downfall of Hiram this season is kind of what I was hoping. Well, I think it'll I think it'll be more drawn Mm -hmm. out i don't think it's immediate yeah i think that even i think this is just the beginning of it sure i wish then that he would have if they would have found a way for him to still kind of be like a double agent so he was like in hiram's ear still about like things that that they could do that actually was um like helping our heroes but instead like now he's straight up on the outs and now hiram's just against reggie you know what i mean like, I feel like there could have been more nuance here, but that's okay. It's Riverdale. It's Riverdale. That's the last thing that they they have on yeah. the show. So at the game, there's this little, like, pops, little truck, little van. It's very cute. Um, And it makes sense that Tabitha yes! would have done that because she's like, I've been doing lots of business decisions, and she's doing them right. She's a marketing queen. Mm-hmm. There's also, you can get a bulldog burger combo. Yes, please. I would oh, love that. that. So, good. so Derek is the captain now. I gotta say, I would be so pissed if I was a member of the Stallions and this random kid showed up and got to be captain. Uh, This random kid from the worst team in the league. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would suck. Especially because the Stonewall kids are so, like, high up on their their high horses because they're Stallions. He must be so much better than them, though, if he got to be a captain immediately. Right. Or Hiram, like, came to Mrs. Davis and was like, I'll make your kid captain. If he if he transfers to Stonewall, he's like, damn, that's a sweet deal. But I also don't think Mrs. Davis needed that much uh, convincing, <laughs> convincing. Yeah. So Britta and Derek go up for the coin toss. I really like how the league doesn't have an issue with Britta. Like no one has an issue with Britta. No, no one cares. I love that. Like not even Hiram is like, get that girl off your team. That's great. I actually really appreciate that because Riverdale does the little things very yeah. well. Mm-hmm. So they sing Stupid Love. Uh, What do you have against Lady Gaga? We have already mentioned many other Lady Gaga songs that would have been better for this. I literally, Robin, I inhaled so hard to talk about how much I hate this that I choked on my own spit. (coughs) I hate this. I hate this. Tell me. Here's why I hate this. First of all, it's in the complete wrong key. Right. It is. It's it's wrong. The arrangement is bad. The auto-tune is awful. Madeline, absolute stunner, babe, is actually very good at singing. But Lady Gaga is for a certain voice, and no one on this cast has that voice. And I am just frankly offended that they keep trying. Leave Lady Gaga alone. What did she ever do to you? Someone on this writing team hates me. <laughs> the, the fact I that you're doing it. so many Lady Gaga songs makes me think that Lady Gaga is a fan. I hope she is. I think yeah. that would be cute. And then every time they sing one of her songs, she's like, ooh, well, maybe next time. Here's another one. <laughs> if they were like, hey, Lady Gaga, do you watch our show? And they're like, yeah. And she's like, do you want to use some of my songs? She would revoke their access after singing yeah, these. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> She'd be like, I was a fan. She would have revoked it after yeah. Shallow. This one was oh, not that bad. It, it, no, it really wasn't that bad, except for the fact that the key was the, wrong. The, the key was wrong. I will, I will 100% give you that. Bad. 
like the the audio was like more overdone than it needed to be especially when madeline is a pretty good singer already anyway it was completely overproduced and but like madeline did a great job performing it like i felt yes. way more comfortable watching it than i did watching shallow which made me want to melt into I've, the floor I've never and been die really and never return in my life i completely agree you're right yeah it's just that someone on this staff hates me i feel like if lady gaga was watching shallow she'd be like well you know it's supposed to be karaoke so we'll give him a pass on this one and then she watches this one and she's like yikes okay um well i guess it wasn't that bad uh but uh third strike <laughs> there's gonna be one more and if you do it, it again then uh, you're out like uh i'm sick of this shit, to be honest with you i do have to say i really like cheryl's like one piece track suit yeah same it's such a serve her like, bedazzled hbic yeah and oh, her like turtleneck her like white turtleneck. She looks great. It's super cute. But again, she's the teacher. Why is she front and center? Yeah. Okay. And I've already talked about some of this other other stuff. My next note is Hiram in a beanie. That's my full note. <laughs> I feel so bad for these actors because it's safest during COVID to be shooting outside. So so much of so this episode cold. is outside, and I'm like, y'all must be freezing. Like Vancouver isn't that cold, but Vancouver is wet, and that makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. And it, and. Back when they were probably recording this, it was very, very cold in Vancouver. It was winter. So the Stallions are way up in the points. And yeah, once again, Cheryl is confusing dancing with cheerleading. How does this song have anything to do with anything? And poor Reggie flipped sides and is still sad. <laughs> Please support him. He's like, oh no, I flipped sides and now I look dumb because you guys really messed it up. Um, and then Archie uh, brings in everybody and does an absolutely incredible Coach Bolton speech. He truly did. And all of them get out there and they go, 16, 16, 16 minutes left, better get it done. Like, it truly is the exactly that scene at the beginning of High School Musical 3. And then, I don't know, I assume someone falls down and someone in the crowd goes, try! But we didn't see that part. Oh my god, so true, bestie. We didn't see that part. And so Archie says, if you don't give up on yourself, you can't lose. And I'm like, this is amazing. Thank you, sir. He's such a good coach. He is. I really enjoyed, like, the slow-mo of, like, watching Britta, like, get the ball and, like, fake it out and then, like take slowly take down all of those other dudes on the way to like the mm -hmm. touchdown it was it was nostalgic yeah. i loved it it was cool as um, well. if you're the captain do you have to be the quarterback the captain can be anybody no. right i i i don't know yeah. anything yes. about football but britta is so small like she doesn't seem big enough to be the quarterback you know like the uh the stereotype of the quarterback is like this giant dude like, do you guys think maybe that's, like, the safest position for her? I was thinking that, like, she can't really, like... I don't know. What does a quarterback do? They're just the one that... Quarterback usually, it. like, gets the ball and then yeah. runs it in. So it like, actually shouldn't it, be the biggest dude. It should be the lightest it person. It should be the fastest person. Yeah. But, like, you should also be strong enough to get yeah. hit a lot because everyone is mm -hmm. chasing you. Um. So, like, if Britta's strong enough to get hit, like, she's yeah. also fast enough to score... It makes total sense that yeah. she's quarterback. Right. Because I was thinking maybe it was like the safest. Not only would she be good at it, but it's probably really safe for her because everybody else is like straight up tackling other dudes. Agreed. I mean, she's going to get tackled. Yeah. So it's as dangerous as the other ones. So Britta runs. The other guys help. And uh, like I said, I had that headcanon about how they all wanted to help her so that she got the 10K specifically. And they get literally one goal and everyone is just so excited. It's great. And Hiram is so pissed. And I'm like, dude, honestly, like you're not, he's not actually really losing anything because Veronica really was just like, stop doing something rather than, you know what I mean? Like she was like, just don't 
make us leave. But everyone's going to love the bulldogs again and are rallying with the bulldogs. And so he doesn't want, like, the spirits to be up, I guess. And that's why he's so mad. He's mad enough to break his clipboard. (laughs) (laughs) Wish I was that cool. I really love seeing Reggie happy. uh, But I thought it was funny that we got no mention of his gay experience at all (laughs) this episode. Oh, my God. Like, I would have loved to hear from Reggie about how that went personally right like how funny would it be if Angel's was like that dude's straight and then reggie was like i was kind of into it <laughs> reggie was like i have something's awakened in me for sure <laughs> so veronica <laughs> tells archie about her bet with hiram and i really do like that she didn't tell him until now because he didn't he wouldn't have had to worry about it while they were actually playing right. you know like if if they hadn't gotten a goal she would have been like uh, hey, hey archie <laughs> i got bad news but I think she really did have faith that they would, and it, and it worked out. Um, So they kiss, and I, if I were a student, I'd be like, isn't she married? Her husband came to my class once. This is really, this is really hot goss. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, that would be confusing. This is hot goss in the, in the halls of Riverdale High, I gotta say. And you know what? The kids would be obsessed with that. Yeah, the kids... Because I was absolutely obsessed with our teachers. Well, especially, like, the Stallions. Because the Stallions were the people who came and, like, started that fire. And so they saw Archie hooking up with Betty. And the Stallions are also here. And they'd be, like, they'd be seeing Archie with Veronica. And they'd be, like, oh, I don't even know these teachers, but something's going on. I would be, like, what's the tea? What's happening? Who's having (laughs) an affair with who? So Derek comes to say hi. And Archie says that he's proud of him. And... Derek says that he was a good coach because he knows that Archie is a better coach than Hiram or probably also Reggie. Um, the thing about Hiram is that I think as a coach, he's probably um, rules under a threat of like mm-hmm. violence. Absolutely. Know? Yeah, I know. I just I, I feel bad because I know that Derek wants his future to be better and he wants to do what his mom wants. But I also feel like as soon as he gets there, he's probably like, oh, God, the, it's so toxic in this locker room right now. Yep. <laughs> um, so he's like, maybe I am thriving as a football player more, but like my mental health, yikes. <laughs> and that's the Varchie storyline. There it is. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to Bughead, let's do Patreon. So Patreon is a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. If we are some of your favorite creators, um, we would really appreciate that. That's so nice of you. You can join us for only a dollar a month, um, which gets you early access to all of the podcasts. And a lot of people think that because of like these weekly ones, like that's specifically really worth it and starting very soon at the ten dollar level we're going to be doing a patreon only podcast we have a couple of things that we wanted to talk about earlier we talked about the wilds and i think we're going to do a whole episode on the wilds i feel like but we kind of just get to talk about whatever we're passionate about and i think that's going to be awesome uh, we, i don't have a specific day that that's starting just now but i'm definitely going to have a specific day by next episode because then we're going on a huge hiatus and i can't give you any more information so i'll definitely have that information for you by then but yeah uh if you can't help us out on on patreon that's okay Next best thing you can do is recommend us to a friend. We're going to talk about all of our other podcasts um, in the outro. And uh, if you haven't checked those out, maybe you can do that too. Yeah. Or, you know, check out Shoppy Lux as well. Brittany sells stuff there. I sell stuff there, including I I sell a bunch of Riverdale stuff there. And um, that's a way you can help us without like doing it monthly, but also, and you also get something really cool out of it and uh, you support us. So that would be great. Let's talk about Bughead. Woohoo. I'm sick of this, Bobbin. I'm sorry, Vinny. All right. It's just that I really like Jughead storyline, but now like they've swapped Tag- Tabitha for Betty, and I'm like, no. Don't worry, Brittany. Tabitha's gonna be back. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. Bughead. So Jughead pulls a full lone gunman and just spends his time looking for aliens now. <laughs> 
Penny tells Alice to rejoin her support group while they wait for blood test results, but Alice would rather drink. Jughead pitches his alien story to his publisher, and personally, I would totally go for it. I would read that book. One of Jughead's students, inexplicably called Lerman Logan, Oh my god. <laughs> run an intense demon story thing, and Jughead is, like, super disturbed by it. Glenn calls Betty and says the blood is Polly, so she calls him a butthead for not helping her, even though she told him not yes. to help her? Jug goes to Weatherby about how disturbing Logan's story is, and Weatherby lets him know that Logan comes to school with bruises and broken bones, but I'm sure that's nothing to worry about. Why are you calling him by his last name, Brittany? Because <laughs> Lerman is a weird name. Yeah. <laughs> it truly is. It truly is. Like, I was typing it out, and I, every time I typed Lerman, it autocorrected, and I'm like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> sure, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, so Jughead suspects that he's being abused, but Weatherby is like, hey, no, his parents are fine. Okay. So anyway, Jughead ignores that and asks Logan about his story and if his abduction story is a cry for help. He kind of freaks out and says that actually he made it up, nothing is wrong, everything's fine. Betty goes to Cheryl for some cousin time in an actually pretty good scene and asks Cheryl if she would have been happier not knowing what happened to Jason. Cheryl says she was glad to know because then she could grieve. I don't know that grieving involved using your brother as a puppet. Okay. <laughs> Oh, well. Cheryl asks if this means that Polly is dead, which Betty confirms. She then turns around and lies to Alice and says the blood didn't match Polly's. This totally helps Alice's mood, and she basically makes every baked good under the sun the following morning. She's also going to rejoin her support group. Jughead is hauled into Weatherby's office to get confronted by Logan's parents, who are horrified. Logan's parents. The Logans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Jughead is hauled into Weatherby's office to get confronted by Lerman's parents. <laughs> I hate that. What? No, you can keep saying Logan. I'm sorry I made fun of you. It's okay. By Ler no, I'm gonna say Lerman's parents were horrified that he asked them about his home life. How dare he care? Anyway, Betty and Jug meet up and both discover they're they're basically investigating things along the lonely highway. So Betty joins him to meet the Mothman guy, who basically informs them that all of the girls have been abducted by the Mothman. Betty is like, okay, I'm super insulted and angry about this. But Jughead says weirder stuff has happened in Riverdale. And Betty's like, hey, women are being murdered. That doesn't have anything to do with aliens. And you're kind of an asshole for suggesting that. So she goes full dark Betty in her room and heads to the truck stop to assault men and pull women out of their trucks. She finally comes across the John who was going to meet up with Polly before she disappeared. Jughead gets a call that Lerman is missing along the highway. So he called Betty. Betty is totally sane and did a totally sane thing by kidnapping the guy and threatening to murder him in the woods. She abandons him there, which is very cool and not at all weird. Anyway, she finds Lerman and meets up with Jug. Lerman does not look right. Are you happy that I've switched to Lerman? No. Lerman <laughs> does not look right and asks if it, it happened again. His parents explain that he's a chronic sleepwalker to the point where he actually went missing for a week. So they lock him up to stop it. Jughead says the abductors in his story are clearly the parents. They were afraid Jug's questioning would bring the sleepwalking back. Neither Betty or Jug buy that, and they think that he and Polly were taken by the same person, but that Logan escaped. They need to know about his missing week. Betty finds Glenn at her house and discovers Glenn told Alice the truth about Polly. He takes the case from her, and honestly, that's probably for the best. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I gotta say, <laughs> all episode I'm Team Glenn. I gotta be Team Glenn here. I, I, yeah, I gotta tell you, from what I've seen of Betty as an FBI agent, um, she's a horrible FBI agent. I thought it was so funny that, um, she was like, I was handling it. I was handling it. I was like, did you see what you were just doing? No. Like, were you, were you handling it? Because it kind of looked like you were just threatening people and breaking into crack houses with your gun out and basically just using your power and abusing it. So, um, at the beginning of the episode, Jughead is researching aliens. Where? I didn't recognize this place. Where is he? Isn't that the bunker? Was it? Yeah, I assumed it would be the bunker. I thought there were windows. Yeah. 
Oh. Uh, I, I, anyway. I, I have no idea. I have no idea where he was. I was like, where are you? Well, he's probably at Archie's oh, house. Sure. Oh, right, duh. Where did he get all of this equipment? I thought maybe he was at the school, maybe. Um, I told you, he's the lone gunman now. I don't know what that means. <laughs> she doesn't get that joke. <laughs> I know, but I get it, and that's what's important. It's an X-Files reference. I figured. There are three dudes called the lone gunman who, uh... And they're wonderful! Technological geniuses who help... They're hackers. Mulder and Scully, um, solve cases. Yeah. Okay, that sounds great. I wonder if they are making that they're, reference or not, do you think? I think a lot of this plot is actually a massive X-Files reference. Yeah, a lot of... It has... Huge X-Files vibes. Oh, for sure it is. But do you think they're specifically making a reference to the lone gunman here? No, probably not. I was just having fun with it. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I'm just I don't know the I don't know the references, so I was like, oh, are they are they doing something something? Or are they just doing something? I will keep an eye out and let you know. <laughs> okay, great. Okay. So we go to Alice and we see her meds. They do say Alice Cooper, which makes me think that that's her like legal name. But then later Glenn calls her Ms. Cooper and she doesn't do anything. So I can't tell if she's going by Cooper again. I think that um, it's probably still just her legal name, which is boring because she should, it should be Jones, Mm -hmm. but whatever. And I think he doesn't, she doesn't correct him and he calls her Cooper because why would Betty explain her mom's romantic life? And he would just assume that they have the same last name. Fair enough. Yeah, I um, I also like if I could try and make sense, make it make sense for myself as well. Like, I wonder if maybe she still had the legal name Cooper, and then the kids, the the twins, also have the last name Cooper, and so she just wanted to stay it like that, mm. just to like be like more closely related to them or something. It actually makes legal things it's a lot a, easier. Yeah, it's le- it helps with legal. Let's say that then, and not because <laughs> because she's like. She probably personally goes by Smith right. or Jones, but legally goes by Cooper. So her her meds are Zolpidem, uh, which is sold under the brand named Ambien. Among others is a medication primarily used for the short-term treatment of sleeping problems. Guidelines recommend that it be used only after cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia and behavioral changes such as sleep hygiene have been tried. It doesn't feel like she's done Weird. that. I don't know how she got this prescription, but maybe right. she did. I don't know. But she's also taking it with alcohol, and I'm like, oh, no. I mean, she probably got it when Polly went yeah. missing, but... Who knows? Like, maybe her doctor prescribed her something strong because, like, what are you going to do when your child's right. missing? Yeah. Like, she might not have been sleeping at all. So Betty's like, well, maybe it's not Polly's blood. And Alice is like, who else's blood could it possibly be? Like, at, at that point, like, I'm not sure I would believe Betty when she said that it wasn't Polly's blood. Like, Betty... Right. Especially because Betty kind of hesitates as well. I'd be like, I don't know. It does. It genuinely and doesn't like, make sense for it to be anybody else's. To be fair, though, they still don't confirm that it's a DNA mm-hmm. match to Polly's blood. They they only confirm that it's the same blood type, which is a rare blood type, but it's not like uh, unheard of for another person right. to have that blood type. Right. Like, I wonder if instead of being like, it's definitely Polly, they're specifically saying that it isn't Polly so that they can make it somebody else in the future if they want to. Right. Like, I still don't think Polly's dead. No body, no death. Um, I've I agree. watched science fiction. You can't fool me. Oh, yeah. She's not dead. Yeah. I also agree that she's not dead, but I have a really hard time believing that it's not her blood. Yeah. Like, it, it is I her do blood think for it's sure. her blood, but yeah. she's just um, she's not really um, yeah. damaged. What? Yeah. Injured. Injured. Damaged. Yeah. Damaged. <laughs> damaged. So Betty tells Alice to go back into the support group. 
Um, and Alice is like, yeah, maybe. Jughead finally tells Sam that he's not writing the pop story. Like I've been saying for the past couple episodes, Jughead, this is not what your publishers asked for. Like you got to tell somebody that you're writing about aliens and not a small town man who owns a chocolate shop. <laughs> so he's like, I'm writing about the town's collective trauma about aliens. I mean, why not? So he's like, just take the idea to this to the publisher. And Sam says that he will. So great. I'm hoping they pass it because I think it sounds fascinating. Yeah, it's way more interesting, I think. Yeah. So he's at school. He says, turn in your short story assignments. And everyone else's are in duotangs except Lerman's, which is stapled together with like a doodle on it. And um, it's called As Above, So Below by Lerman Logan. First of all, the title As Beloved, So Below has already been an episode of Riverdale. Yeah. It was about the speakeasy. Um, Robin, would you like to know a fun fact really quickly? Okay. Americans do not know what a duotang is. Oh. That is an us thing. What would you- So please explain what a duo thing is. I was just gonna let you guys have it. What do you call them? What do you call them, Sam? I guess just a folder? But it has the little- I don't know. I wasn't- I didn't pay close enough attention to know the item that you're referring to. Oh. Okay. Okay. Sure. So basically, um, you get- it's like a- it's like a little- um, it's like a folder, but on the inside, there are these little metal clips so that you can put the hold paper in it, and then you- flatten the little clips so that it's like a little book and it can't come out. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I, it's just a, like a book report keeper. Like, I don't know that we oh, have okay. a word. Let me look it up. Oh, all right. Well, either way, in Canada, we call that a duotang. And I'm going to Google These duotang things. real quick so that people duo. Yeah, it's just a report cover. Hmm. Um, I literally learned that yeah. on TikTok today. I watched like part one and part two of words that only exist in Canada. And I was like, really? Oh. Duotang? Yeah, duotang was a brand name for paper folders made of cardstock paper. They're used to bind multiple sheets of paper by bending embedded brass fasteners through the holes of the paper and folding them down to keep them in place. Yep. Some models have, yeah, like this is, could they could be in different colors, such as blue, green, red, orange, yellow, and black. They were often used as organization tool for multiple pages of one subject, chiefly by elementary school students. However, many students usually transition to binders as they enter secondary school. All right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. In Canada, the word duotang is used to refer to any such style of folder, regardless of the actual brand. So anyway. That's like a, anyway, uh, but that's, that's like a Band-Aid thing where it's like, it's called a Band-Aid no matter what. Or like, it's called a Kleenex. Yeah. yeah. No matter, no matter what brand it is. Um. Anyway, that's a duotang. Anyway, everybody else has theirs in duotangs and his is just like stapled together. Okay, so the title is something that's already been an episode of Riverdale. First of all, it was an episode about the speakeasy because it was like yeah. low and stuff. So like, okay, whatever. We don't really talk about that anyway. It's also a vision movie. But they named this character Lerman Logan. What the hell? So I feel like they've done this before, but I can't remember who with other than like Benjamin Button. You know? Was it Brett? Well, Brett Brett's name was Brett Weston Wallace for Brett Easton Ellis. That's pretty close. So they've done so that's different. But this is so if you're out of the know, there's a celebrity who you've seen in potentially Perks of Being a Wallflower, Percy Jackson, and a whole bunch of other things named Logan Lerman. Very handsome. I recommend you check out a picture of him recently. Yeah. Very handsome. Yeah, he 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 aged nicely. But I'm really confused about this because I'm like, does Logan Lerman have something to do with something? Or did they just like pick a random celebrity? Does the writer I think someone on the writer's team is um uh Stan. Yeah. Yeah, or like do they know him or have something to do with him or something? I just like what a what a strange like also Logan Lerman has been like pretty under the radar recently so I'm like wh what made you even think of Logan Lerman for this who knows <laughs> just what a weird choice they're, they're like let's not choose somebody whose last name is already a first name let's make his first name Lerman stupid like can you imagine popping a baby out looking down at it and going his name is Lerman 
You know? Can you do that voice again, please? His name is Lerman. <laughs> I can't I can't believe you just gave birth and, and that's what your voice sounds like. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're not like, his name is Lerman. No, I no, no it it was a very quiet birth. It's it's not Brittany oh, okay. giving birth. It's it's uh Blythe Ann from the hundred. Yeah. So yeah. she she chose Lerman. Trauma mama. Mm-hmm. I just like, why wouldn't you choose somebody like if 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 I were a celebrity? Fingers crossed. If I were a celebrity and you were doing this with me, your character would be named Jeffrey. Jeffrey Robin. Yeah. Jeffrey is a name. It sure is. <laughs> Why don't you choose somebody? Like, choose somebody whose last name is Taylor. And then your first name's Taylor. You know, like, you could pick any name that is an actual name. Anyway, I just don't understand why Logan Lerman was chosen for this. So Betty gets a call from Glenn. And Glenn's last name is Scott, but with only one T. So not only was <laughs> Brett with one T, and that's because he was a reference to somebody. But Glenn with one N and then Scott with one T. What is with the one letter thing? <laughs> I genuinely think it's so funny. It's just to make people angry. I, like, I think it's just a joke, but I just think it's ridiculous. And also, he's like kind of her like boyfriend guy, kind of, but she doesn't even have a picture for him in her contacts. I think he was her, uh, see for work. Like a fling. Her butt butt? Nope. <laughs> her butt buddy? Her what? Her butt buddy? I'm trying to her say what? butt buddy. <laughs> Our friends with benefits. All right. <laughs> I really think that like after they take her away from Archie, you're like, okay, well, she still has Glenn at least. And then this episode, they're like, no, she does not have Glenn. And then she's like, screw you, Glenn. That is out. Screw you, Glenn, for doing exactly what I asked you to. You're so unsupportive. Yeah, exactly. So they say that her, that the blood on there was AB negative, which is the rarest blood type and a match for Polly. And I guess they don't know about RH Null, right, Sam? Right, I guess they don't. <laughs> Listen to our recent The 100 podcast <laughs> to get that joke. Yeah, so like I said, I don't think Polly is dead, but it, I definitely think it's her blood. I, I don't know how they would make it make sense for it to not be Polly's blood. Agreed. Um, so she blames Glenn, and you told him not to help you. Uh, yeah. Betty specifically said... No, no, you focus on the black hood. No, you focus on the trash bag killer. The black hood. <laughs> Sorry, it's just uh, so many of the same letters. Mm -hmm. I know, the gargoyle king, the black hood, the trash bag killer, the Clifford Blossom. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Uh, the jelly bean. Oh, no. The Charles. Yeah, the Charles. She specifically was like, you focus on the trash bag killer. I'm going to handle this. Like, it's more important for you to do the trash bag killer. And now she's like, if you cared about me, you would have focused on this and helped me. If I was glad, I'd be like, who do you think you right. are? Like, I'm helping you now. Right, right now I'm helping it you. You come back to Quantico and do the blood test yourself then, bitch. Right. <laughs> Like, she's really lashing out at him for nothing. I gotta be Team Glenn on this one. Mm -hmm. I can't blame Glenn for that. Yeah. So Jughead shows the story that Lerman <laughs> wrote to Weatherby, and it's about a kid who gets taken by mole people and then escapes and gets taken by the Mothmen who operate him. And the kid is found on the side of the highway after. Sure. Sure. But I think he's definitely, like, his parents are abusing him, and he's also get him, getting abducted by either truckers or aliens or... Something and getting experimented on. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, it's pretty clear that something really is happening to him. And also, it is a trauma. So, like, when uh, Dr. Whitley, I think her name was, last time was like, well, sometimes they get taken by aliens and sometimes they it's trauma. And I'm like, well, have you considered that it's both mm -hmm. and or being taken by the alien is the trauma? Right. Thank you. Like, this just kind of makes me feel like this is more 
You know, like I, I wasn't completely sold on the fact that this was actually going to be aliens. And now I'm not so sure. <laughs> I want it to be aliens so bad, Robin. Now I'm like, are, do we actually have aliens here? One of the things, one of the main complaints that I had about the last season of The 100 was that The 100 up until that season had been exclusively about science. It had been like everything that happens can be explained by science. Whether that science is like real or not is doesn't matter. But yep. in the canon of the show, it's about science. And then in the final season, they started to bring in like magic. And I was like, this show has never been about magic. If you were going to make it about magic, it should have happened seasons ago. If the end all be all was going to be magic. Right. Like it just doesn't make sense that this whole show has been about science. And now the, the like final, the final act is all about magic. Exactly. And so that's why I'm a little confused about this is that. Um, there hasn't ever really been, like, any sort of, like, supernatural things going on here on, on Riverdale. And now we're actually going into, like, supernatural things, which I thought was more of, like, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina side. So I'm just a little, I'm, I'm wondering if they're actually going aliens or if there's going to be a terrestrial explanation for this. I think there will be a, an explanation, but I'm enjoying the aliens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am disappointed by sure. it, but 100%, they're definitely, like, in some ways, Riverdale has better continuity with that than The 100, which is just yeah. hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah. But Weatherby is saying, like, Lerman is a normal kid, he's got good grades, but he does sometimes get a bunch of injuries. Um, but his parents are super nice people, and so it's all good. And Jughead still thinks that he's being hurt. And um, that Weatherby didn't necessarily get to what he needed to get to. Um, and then he gets in trouble for it, even though he was right. Yeah. Like, they clearly are very nice people. It's it's bizarre to me that he gets in trouble for that. Because, like, 100% um, your teacher should be checking on their students, especially if they're coming to school beat up. Like, that's the job of a teacher. Exactly. He literally says, I thought it was my responsibility as your teacher. And then he gets in trouble for it. And I'm like, no, you did it right. Yeah. Like... I, I, I'm not an educator, so I don't know. But is it inappropriate to ask the child? I don't think so. But I think you're supposed to ask the child because, like, if you ask the parents and the parents are the one hitting them, they're just going to hit them harder. Exactly. I was like, you're just going to lie. I mean, technically, this would be the job for a guidance counselor, but I suspect that Vanessa needed the episode off. Yeah. Because yeah. she was super pregnant. She's probably having a baby. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, you're right. Um, Because I am sort of an educator, not in, like, a not in an actual school or anything, but uh, in like a community center. And you work with kids. So when, when stuff like that happens, it's definitely your responsibility to get a hold of somebody. Right. About that. And I do, I do agree. Like, I do think that his parents are nice people who are just trying to keep him safe, but like are doing it in not the right way. See, and I'm suspicious of his parents. How come? I don't know, because... I think I think his parents are are hitting him. You actually think so? I think his parents are sacrificing him to the mole people. They are the mole people. I well, the Mothman. Really? Like I think that they're hurting him. Well, they did that in the X Files. So if I'm following X Files logic, then it's that. Oh, that did not occur to me at all. I I totally thought they were telling the truth, but that could also be because um the dad is played by um the guy who played Miller's dad on the hundred, and I just love him so much that like I I truly did not. Oh yeah, yeah he's so well, they, nice. That's true. They are very endearing. And, like, they could be telling the truth. Yeah. I did not even consider that they could be malevolent because uh, because of who was playing them. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. I guess. So maybe they are. I don't know. That's I fair. guess I thought that they're, I don't know why I thought that the explanation for him being, coming to school, like, hurt rested solely on his parents and not, like, also the alien thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. so yeah, I don't have an explanation. Well, I think, I think what they were saying was that he just like runs into things while he's 
Like, I'm like, like at, at, at what point are they like, we strap them down, <laughs> you know? And then that would be worse. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It didn't occur to me that they were, that, that, that they were lying, but they could have been. And that's why multiple people watch the show. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, Jughead talks to Lerman about it. He says the story was good. It was well-written. Um, and Lerman says it was inspired by his recurring dreams. And Jughead, like, it's important for him to talk to him about it. I don't know if you need to be like, are you traumatized? Right. Yeah. Did you, are, do you have a trauma? Like, <laughs> Tabitha was like, Jughead, are you traumatized? And Jughead was like, I don't want to talk about it. And right. now he turns around and is like, are you? <laughs> like, imagine asking a kid this after class. Yeah, you're just like trying to mind yeah. your business, get through the day. He's like, is any of this real? And he's like, no, I just wrote it. I, and he's like, I never should have written it. And I was like, well, it was a school assignment. So you did have to write something. <laughs> you did. You did a good job. Yeah. So Betty goes to Cheryl and asks, was it better that when you knew what happened to Jason? And Cheryl says that, yes, she did prefer to know. Um, but then Betty goes and lies to Alice. And I think that it's like because because like she couldn't look her in the face and say it. You know what? Honestly, um, to be honest, I call bullshit because Cheryl knew and that still didn't make her actions any more sane. She used her dead brother as a puppet. Mm. So like, I don't think Cheryl handled any of that. Right. Yeah. But would it have been worse if she didn't know? I don't know. Then she could- I think maybe she's just nuts. <laughs> yeah. it's. De- I mean, Cheryl definitely has some mental health issues that this show will never address because they'll just pretend that she's well, like- freaky. It doesn't make sense that she's saying it was, that, like, the not knowing part. Because, like, he he was just gone. Like, he was supposed to have left. Yeah. She right. wasn't supposed to know. Yeah, she wasn't supposed to ever see him again. Right. But I think that, yeah. So is she talking about, like, not knowing where he was? Or was she talking about, like, he shows up with a bullet in his head. And then, like, is it better to know that your dad killed him because if so yes because now you're not living with your murderer dad right but it's completely different than polly because she straight up doesn't know where polly is doesn't well she thinks that polly is dead i guess but like they still don't really know exactly what the circumstances were whereas they knew how jason died yeah i think it's that whether or not jason was dead personally yeah and they and they had jason's body yeah so at least there was that. She could move on with, like, having that. She could move on with stuffing him and moving him around the house. Of course. Yeah, yeah. And putting him in that wheelchair. Yeah. And then putting Julian on his little lap. Ew. But Cheryl also spent some time with Polly. Polly was also Cheryl's cousin. And so it makes sense that Cheryl would also be grieving Polly because, um, like, Polly lived with her for, like, a while in season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's the mother of Cheryl's nieces. Yeah, exactly. I wonder if Cheryl gets to see them. It feels like no. I hope that sometimes maybe she does. I would ho- I hope that I mean, she does. I, but she my, never left Thornhill. I know, but in my head, she and Alice are friends. Oh, right. um, I don't have any evidence, but in my head, they <laughs> are. And so I feel like Alice brings them over to, like, do arts and crafts. Sure. So speaking of Alice, Betty gets home and Alice is just kind of, like, in a trance. And that makes sense because of what her medication does. Um, And she tells her that it wasn't Polly's blood. And Alice is like, oh, yay. She's, like, so relieved. Machen is really good with, like, the range of Alice's emotions. I love it. Mm -hmm. I gotta say, though, if I was Alice, I'd be like, okay, well, first of all, that means my daughter isn't dead. But, like, I still don't know where she is. And then also, whose blood was that? Like, I'd still have so many questions that I don't know if I could immediately be like, hello, even though I think it is a coping mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the morning, Alice is cooking again. And she's like, Betty, will you please go to Pops for my platter of cold cuts? Because I'm hosting support group today. Um, why is Pops a butcher? Yeah. Pops <laughs> sure. is everything. And okay. why not? Sure. Also, I just hope this mom group is not a cult. Oh, God. No more cults, please. Please. 
Please, for the love of God, I'm sick of it. Um, so Jughead goes to Weatherby's office and the Logans are going to yell at him for asking their son about trauma. Um, and the two actors here, because Riverdale won't let me sleep and is constantly just giving me more the hundred actors to stare at. <laughs> Both of the Logans are from the hundred. Blythan was only in season six and seven, the mom. Um, and then we call him Dad Miller. His name was um, David, David Miller. And he played one of the main characters, Dad's. And he was like just the best dad in the entire world. And um, I think about him often. And yep. um, so it was very nice to see him. At first, um, it took me a couple of scenes to figure it out just because uh, the lighting was weird. So low. But it's nice to see Dad Miller, even though I was triggered by it. Agreed. Same. I'm glad I knew going in because if I had seen yeah. the two of them in that scene, uh, unfiltered, I would have just mm -hmm. been like, who are these people? Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> So they're like, how dare you encourage his obsessions with scary stuff? And like I said, Jughead was like, it's thought it, I thought it was my responsibility as a teacher to talk about like the allusions to something bad that could be happening at home. Mm -hmm. um, and they're like, well, why didn't you come to us instead of him? And he's like, I don't know, because you could lie or hurt him more for trying to tell somebody or something. Exactly. So they say, we want him moved from his class. And Weatherby's like, that's fine. And he later they leave and he yells at Jughead and is like, I already checked them out to make sure they were chill, and they are. And Jughead's like, I don't know, I felt like something was off. And he's like, one more misstep and you're fired. And I'm like, bro, where are you getting a new teacher? Like, you're telling me there's more than one English class? Right. Also, I, when they said that they will move him to another English class, I'm like, you don't have another one. Like, that's it. And also, whether we, you're not the best judge of character, you once joined a cult. Yeah, like, he has um his, like, glove on still, but at one point we got, like, a good shot of it, and I couldn't really tell whether he was still missing that finger or not. Right. Yeah, and, like, Jughead literally did, like, one thing. Like, what did he even do before this episode? Did he do anything wrong before this episode? I don't think so. I don't think so. So, Betty goes to Pops, Jughead brings out the platter, and Jughead's like, what, are you having a party? And I wasn't invited. And I was like, why were you, why would you be invited? You're her ex-boyfriend. Stop. I know, right? So she tells Jughead that Polly is basically dead. She's telling everybody but Alice. Like, eventually it's going to get back to her. Like, what did she think was going to happen? Right. Like, like how, in, in what world does Alice not eventually find out? Because you're telling everybody else that Polly's dead. Exactly. Exactly. Like, someone's going to come to Alice and be like, my condolences. And Alice is going to be like, huh? Uh huh? Which is basically what happens. Because Glenn has no idea that Alice doesn't know the truth. Yep. Why is Glenn there? Uh, I, you, you said it in the episode when we were watching. You think that that guy got loose and reported her. Oh, right. Duh. Oh, right. I came up oh. with it and then I forgot that I solved it. Well, Glenn specifically said that he came to check on Betty. Right. Because he was worried about her. But that could also be true. I think that maybe that was like a nicer way of him saying it because he didn't want to say in front of her mom that she's being a psycho. That she's unhinged. Yeah. So she mentions that Polly disappeared a whole month ago. And so she's been alive until then, at least. So that's kind of scary. Jughead's going to take her to Dreyfus. And he's like, I'll just put this tray on ice and take her. And I'm like, what about the support group? The support group didn't get their cold cuts. Oh, yeah. What happened to the support group? Like later, she just goes back. And I'm like, but what about did you ever get the cold cuts? Like Alice paid money for that. Please, sir, my cold cuts. At what point does Alice call her and be like, where are my cold cuts, bro? Bring me my cold cuts immediately. I want my meats. Give me the meats. So Jughead just like takes off his apron and just leaves. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Jughead, Jughead, you're bad at all your jobs. <laughs> Tabitha's like, um, you know, you have to stay here, right? Like you're allowed to go and do whatever you want when it's dead. But when it's not dead, you need to be here. It's the morning. When we have actual customers, yeah, you have to show up. So Betty is on the back of Jughead's motorcycle again, like the old times. 
And I realized that the car that we were complimenting last episode was Tabitha's car. And duh, we like we should have known because right, Jughead was getting into the passenger side. Yeah. Oh my god, we're not very. Bright. I totally didn't put that together. Yeah. Well, we're pretty, and that's all that matters. So true. Well, props to Tabitha because it's beautiful. It is beautiful. You deserve it. So Jughead says that he met Dreyfus working on his book, and Dreyfus seems like really happy to help them. Like likes talking about this stuff, um, and talks about how the phone booth was shredded, and he's seen this before in the summer of seventy-seven and eighty-two. And it's clear that she's had an encounter with the Mothmen because their ship levitates like a balloon and is basically just talking about like science stuff. Sure. And there's this fantastic moment where Betty looks at Jughead like, why am I here? And Jughead just like looks down and is like, I made a mistake. Jughead's (laughs) like, I honestly have nothing to say to you right now. He's like, I'm really sorry I took you away from your cold cuts for this. Um, and then he talks about how he's getting chatter on the radios and we kind of cut away from that. But I'm like, is this going to come back? This radio thing? Probably. I hope so. I'd like it to. I want to see the aliens. Yeah, because he's saying that it's like he's getting chatter on their radios. And I'm like, whose radio is it if it's not theirs? I'm interested. Hmm. I noticed this last episode, but forgot to bring it up in the podcast. But you can see on Jughead's like little lapel, he's got the little pins that he used to have on his hat. The um, little white circle and the little, or wait the red circle and the white like little rectangle. He still has those pins. He didn't put that in the in the time capsule. He still wears them, which I think is really sweet. How dare you bring up the red circle? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's really sweet. And I wonder um, like what those symbolize for him. We've never talked, like he's never talked really about, obviously the hat was a, um, like a source of comfort for him, but like what exactly were the, was the symbolism and the meaning behind those pins? He never talks about it. I don't know. Knowing Jughead, he just liked the way they looked. Yeah. So Betty was like, so that was dumb. And Jughead is like, listen, a lot of people believe this and there's evidence. So, you know, like he literally is like another John Mulaney thing where he's like, my mommy. So shut the frick up. Mm-hmm. So he's like me. <laughs> who would believe it? Who would believe in aliens? Me. So shut the frick up. Exactly. So she's like, oh, well, no, she was taken by someone, not aliens. And basically yells at Jughead for like assuming, like saying that when obviously there's a terrible person out stealing women. I could not support her more for him. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My next note is just, did you ever get that meat? Did you ever get the cold cuts? Probably not. She just goes home. No stakes, no consequences for not getting the meat. Disappointing. Where is the meat continuity? Where is the meat? Arby's. (laughs) 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 We have the meat. Thank you. Thank you. Unfortunately, I will be here for every podcast. (laughs) Not every podcast. Your sister could have another baby. Damn it. (laughs) Uh, The one is good for now. Thank you. Yeah. So Betty's looking at the picture, remembering how she's like failing to save Polly, basically. And so she grabs her gun and goes. So she goes to that truck stop that I guess Polly was at. Um, She watches the trucks and she gets the girls out of the trucks and like beats up the dudes and tells them to stop doing this, which I'm like, is that going to work? Which like, if that was all she was going to do, I would support her. Yeah, but then she goes too far. Like she knows that Trucker Boy 69 isn't the one who's doing it. She specifically figured that out. Also, I'm torn on this because I, I don't believe in like shaming sex workers, but at the same time, these sex workers are all being attacked. So like, what's yeah. the line here? Like, you know, also don't, like, I don't because know. of the state of Riverdale, I don't know if this is like 100% by choice or by necessity. Exactly. Right. So I don't, I really don't know yeah. what to feel about Betty saying that she's rescuing these girls. Right. Yeah, I, uh, I certainly don't have an answer for that. Okay. 
I think I think you're right. I think the the line is really wobbly right now, and we just don't know exactly what the morals are here. <laughs> so yeah, she finds Trucker Boy sixty nine again, and it turns out his name's John. I was real happy just calling him Trucker Boy sixty nine, but okay. I liked calling him Trucker Boy sixty nine, but the fact that he is a John and his name is John is extremely funny. To me. <laughs> right, yeah, that's good. But he's still doing this, and he's like, "You can't arrest me again because I got let go last time because you don't have anything on me." Um, and she just attacks him. Sure. I think it's so funny that this tiny blonde just takes this guy right. out. Right. Like, you're Trucker Boy 69, man. Stand up for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you're him. You're Trucker Boy 69. <laughs> Britta's like, oh my god, T-Dub. But everyone's like, oh my god, Trucker Boy 69. Trucker Boy 69. <laughs> I'm just so disappointed in Betty for abusing her power like this. Yeah. Yeah. So Jughead gets a call from Weatherby. Turns out Lerman is missing. And... He's like, are you with him? And Jughead's like, no, I've been staying away from him out of respect for you and respect for him and respect for his parents. Because that's what you told me to do. Because that's what you do. And so Jughead's basically going to get Betty to help find Lerman. Um, Betty is busy beating up John and almost killing him. And he's like, I have a family. And she's like, I had a sister. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't erase his family, though. Yeah, and also um, doesn't make him responsible for Polly. Right. Like he, and, and I know that like what he was doing was not like the best, no. but like at least, you know, he seemed when she was talking to him before that, like he really did like almost like kind of care about her and was like trying to help her and, and like kind of had to let her out of the vehicle, you know? Like, is he a good person? Not overly. Did he deserve any of the shit that Betty did to him? No. No. So then they say Lerman Logan out loud. And I'm like, I was really happy with the joke just being his name is Lerman and these are his parents, the Logans. Mm -hmm. And I put together Lerman Logan myself and I think the joke's funny. But when you say Lerman Logan out loud, you ruin the joke. It's true. And I think Betty like maybe recognizes his name because she works at the school. So maybe she actually knows yeah. him. She finds him walking on the shoulder of the highway in a daze. And he's like, did it happen again? And you're like, what? He's just been abducted by aliens a lot, okay? Because mm -hmm. I think, like, the whole thing is that, like, once it's happened once, then you're it's more likely to happen to you again. Or something is, like, the lore of the aliens, I think. Oh, yeah, because the aliens already are, are familiar with you, of course. Lerman, you need to be careful about cancer. I heard that that happens to people when they get taken by the Mothman. How dare you bring that up? <laughs> but basically, it turns out that he's a sleepwalker and he hurts himself while he's sleepwalking. So they lock his door to keep him safe. And they, they do say he has the whole basement. He has lots and lots of space. And we just lock the door like to the uh, upstairs, I assume. Then how did he get out? Like, why don't you just lock your home exactly. then? Yeah, right. Like he's like walks up to the kitchen and grabs a bunch of knives. Is that what ha is like, is that what you're worried about? Exactly. So that explains the mole men locking him in like they're the mole men and they said that they were really scared when they found the door open and he was gone for a whole week so i don't know it makes it like it's not great but it makes sense to me that they would like continue to take escalating more escalating measures to try and keep him safe sure but i'm like you should get like do i see a therapist like, can't there, isn't there like treatments for sleepwalking yeah maybe they can't afford it because it's riverdale and they're poor it could be. Yeah, so true, Busty. So that's why they leave. They're like, bye. <laughs> so they say that eventually someone found him wandering the highway with no memory of the week that he had. So it's like not even just sleepwalking at that point. It's like even when he was awake, he couldn't remember. They said they were really mad at Jughead because they didn't want to like trigger him into doing this again because I guess he had stopped for a while. Uh, then we see Betty and Jughead eating at Pops. And my question is, who's serving you? Because Jughead's here sitting in this booth and Tabitha's at the game. Um, randos. You got you got more service? Yeah, I'm sure they do. High schoolers that need money. 
Yeah. Betty mentions that Polly described being in what sounded like a spaceship. And uh, we think that, um, like Sam said, like a shipping container. I was thinking something similar, like like in the back of the... Of one of the trucks, yeah. The ghost truck of the of the monster truck. My, my big question, though, is how she got a phone. Like, how'd she call if she was in the back of the truck? Like, my, my thought is that maybe they, like... Like the guy left his phone back there or something. I don't. I don't know. I just don't know how she got the phone. I don't even know if that's going to be explained. Yeah. It won't be. Who knows? So they're like, oh, maybe he was. They were taken by the same person. So why would they let Lerman go and not Polly? And so my brain said maybe they escaped together, and then like that's how like and then Lerm. But then I realized that Lerman got taken way after they got that call from Polly. Yeah, I was like, Lerman's only gone like small amounts of time. Yeah. Yeah. And Polly's been gone for like a month. So, yeah. but and, and I, but and like maybe they got taken by the same person. But I thought that person was only taking blonde girls. Like we've literally only seen him take blonde girls. Yeah, right. that's that's the thing that I'm confused about too. So like that's not really the mo of this guy. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm wondering if it's gonna converge and be the same like people, or if it's gonna be two different, or if there's gonna be like aliens and a trucker killer. Right. And the trash bag killer. Yeah. The trash bag killer is a Mothman. <laughs> yeah exactly they all go together and it's also Hiram yeah <laughs> all the things go together and it's also Tony's baby is the Mothman <laughs> that makes perfect sense so they're like okay well we have to exhaust every option get all the information no matter how insane it seems and so they're going to go like talk to Lerman about this but it turns out that Lerman's parents took him out of school and straight up left town and now they can't get a hold of of him and can't get that information out of him at all so what was the point right fair enough <laughs> Other than to just, like, explain some more stuff, I guess. Then Betty gets home and Glenn has shown up to the Cooper house and he says that he came to check on her um, because he cares about her. He didn't say that, but that's my Betty Glenn shipper lens, I guess. <laughs> and now Alice knows that she lied. Glenn says that he's taking over the case and Betty is like, this is my family, so I should do the case. And I'm like, that's the whole reason why I've been saying that Charles shouldn't have been doing your case at all because it's his family. Like, you should be giving, like, this is not, not nepotism, but, like, there's just a, there's a bias here that is not necessarily helpful. Uh, agreed. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't think she should have been on the case anyway. Like, I know that, like, if she hadn't been on the case, no one would have, because it's just, like, a small town thing. But now that Glenn is here, I'd be like, yes, please take it, to be honest. He said he's going to investigate it properly, not, like, you know, assaulting men on the side of the road. Oh, mm -hmm. you know, like a normal person? Right. Um, and I, I know that we don't technically necessarily totally trust Glenn right now, but I trust him to do a way better job than Betty's doing, at least right now. Unless he's a trash bag killer. Yeah, I was gonna say, unless he's TPK. Right, unless he's a trash bag. Like, the only reason he's not focusing on the trash bag killer case is because he is the trash bag killer and he's just killing people. Right. <laughs> so, that's the episode. And now it's time for segments. My first segment is, which character needs a hug the most? And this episode, I'm definitely giving it to Alice. Good. Aww. And my segment is, which MILF was the most badass? Alice, uh, I guess she didn't really she, do much. She baked a lot. It was badass. It was badass of her to, like, clean herself up and, like, keep trying. That's true. Exactly. And, like, keep going. Fair enough. And my segment is, did anyone mention FP? And, like, no, they didn't. But, like. I'm still waiting. I'm still, I still have hope. I still believe. And uh, my other segment is, what is Sam shipping the most? And um, I didn't really, Not a lot of I didn't really have any options this episode, so um, like, I'm gonna can't really do Kevin and Fangs. Not really a huge fan of Varchi. Like there wasn't anything for me to really root for in this. Yeah, I would say that like if you were a Bughead shipper, this is a great episode for Bughead just because they haven't hung out in a long time. 
but you're not, so you can't. I'm gonna go with FB and Alice because uh, all right, she probably called him. Yeah, yeah. If you don't have one, you're like just fall back on old faithful. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and now it's time for our best line award. My best line award goes to Kevin for um, Cheryl. Please butt out of our lives. Nice. Get out. I I laughed when when we watched that or like when I was watching it. I was like, <laughs> I was like, that's my favorite line award. <laughs> Cheryl, leave me alone. Yeah. Uh, Brittany and I wrote down the only same favorite line award. Oh my god. So can we have a joint favorite line award? Yeah, that's funny because I that's the only other one that I picked out as well. So it's just that this episode wasn't very funny. <laughs> Mine and Brittany's favorite line award goes to Hiram for All I know about the Bulldogs is that they're garbage. Because uh, it's just funny to hear a grown man say they suck. I think he says they're garbage, which I think is actually funnier to me. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and I'm like, I think there's a continuation on the line, but I'm like, no, 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 stop there. That was funny enough. <laughs> You're good. And now it's time for our trailer reaction, which is exciting because Brittany and Sam haven't seen it. Ooh. There's some content. There's some content. Let me grab you a link here. You guys, I am so excited. This is our last time we have to record separately because Brittany and Sam are finally coming home to me. And so I'm so excited that we get to record the mid-season finale podcast together. That makes me so happy that we get to be together in the same room. And also that I don't have to keep wearing headphones anymore. Throughout Heck the whole yeah. Time. Tired of headphones too. Okay, so this episode's called The Pincushion Man, which I have um, stuff on in the outro. It's parent-teacher night. While preparing for the school's parent-teacher night, Archie is caught off guard when his former army general shows up in Riverdale with some unexpected news. Cheryl pushes back after hearing that Hiram and Reggie have expressed interest in taking over the Blossom Maple Groves. Why are Hiram and Reggie still working together? Jughead's unconventional way to get through a case of writer's block causes Tabitha to be concerned for his safety. Finally, Betty and Alice receive some unexpected visitors. It's going to be Darla again. (laughs) Just kidding. I think Darla's dead, I think. Um, and then Cammie and Casey are also in it. All right. Okay, I got it pulled up. Okay, are you ready? Yeah. Okay, three, two, one, play. I have an idea. Next Wednesday. That will bring about oh, Glenn. Oh, good slap. We love a oh, good slap. Oh, Glenn. There it is. Oh, wow. That's spicy that's and unsanitary. Is that an alien? Yeah, all right. It could be an alien. I thought it kind of looked like Harley Quinn. <laughs> Just the way it was standing. I really like this trailer. I think it's well edited and uh, it's so fun to see Hiram like this big villain thing. Sometimes the trailers are more exciting than the episodes. I know. Like I remember like last week's episode, I hated it. And I watched the, the, the trailer and I was like, ooh, which is exactly what trailers are for. Yeah, it looks like an alien to me. But but it's disappointing when you don't like it. Okay, so Betty slaps Glenn. Honestly, I love it. Thank you. Um, Hiram's trying to ruin Riverdale again. Tick, tick, tick. Is it a bomb? What's it? What do you? What do you wait? Well, I mean, for? it looks like a bomb. There's something counting yeah. down, mm-hmm. and they insinuate that it's a bomb. Yeah. Uh, Jughead and Tabitha are finally doing something. I'm like, is this gonna be a dream of Tabitha's or what? Oh my God, no! Make it real. I know. We've got this rat. What? You don't want a rat? Don't know what's don't know what's tea about this rat. Pops uh, is looking real unsanitary in this trailer. Yeah. Well, this is like there's like a lava lamp in the background too. It like feels like everybody's like lost and they all these candles. I'm like, did we lose power? Like, where are we? Ooh, that could be interesting. But if the lava lamp is on, then that implies that they have power. So I don't know where this is. Betty's eye, Archie in like this red lighting, um, and then this creepy thing that's just like oh it's a person i assume 
that's like crouched in the bunker, like the opening of the bunker. It's the alien. That's the Mothman. It looks a lot like a person. Well, it, but it's the... It's a humanoid. It's a humanoid. But, but it's it, the, look at the wings. It's the same shape oh, as the okay. alien that like the corpse that they had. Oh my God, those are wings. Yeah, those are wings. It took me a minute Bro, too and then I was like, oh, duh. I straight up thought those were pigtails. Kate, I thought the same thing. <laughs> That's why I thought it was Harley Quinn. Oh my God. No, they're wings. But yeah, uh, also Harley Quinn, basically. Okay. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, And then like, we've got Kevin with somebody in the background. I can't tell who that is, but holding his hands up and then someone with a gun. And I don't know if like, it feels like those things go together, but I don't know for sure. Things are getting fun and spicy with Kevin. Ooh. Kevin's like, I've been looking for spice. <laughs> Maybe this might be too much. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> He's like, well, this isn't exactly the, uh, the what I was looking for. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Please, if you are so inclined, write us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We would really appreciate it. That would be nice. That would be fun and cool and fresh. <laughs> if you're a fan of The 100, we sometimes talk about that show too. Um, we are currently covering seasons one through three, but uh, in the reverse order. Uh, because we want to end with season one, because uh, that's probably where we should have stopped in the first place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. We did all season one, all season two, and we are in the middle of season three. It is spoiler free, so you can watch with us for the first time. It's our longest podcast, and we also have guests over there. So that podcast truly is my pride and joy. So please go and check it out. If you're a fan of Stranger Things, we also like to talk about that show. Uh, we are currently covering season three uh, all through this year. We've covered seasons one and two already, if you want to go listen to those. Um, Season three is my favorite, so I'm really having a good time. And if you're a fan of Star Trek, we have a Star Trek Picard podcast that is out where we covered all of season one. And we're going to do other Star Trek-related stuff later. We're also going to do those on our Patreon-exclusive podcast, so keep an eye out. You can follow The Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, uh, but mostly on Twitter. Robin does make gifts of our favorite lines awards, though, so you can uh, check them out on Tumblr. So true. Especially if we said something, we picked one really funny and you want to use it as a reaction gift, go for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating because ugh, it is expensive um, and a lot of work goes into it. So we would really, really appreciate it if you like it um, and it's worth it to you. It would be really great if you checked out our Patreon. We are adding more um, perks that hopefully will make it more worth it for you. Uh, and I will have more information on that Patreon only podcast for you next week before we go on hiatus. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. You can follow me on Twitter at Sam Casey's, which is S-A-M-C-A-S-E-Y-S. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-F-F-R-E-Y. Pretty much everywhere. The next episode is the mid-season finale. It is 510. It's called The Pincushion Man. So this is a reference to Balloon Land, which is also known as The Pincushion Man. It's a 1935 animated short film produced as part of the Comicolor cartoon series. It's kind of spooky sounding to me. The cartoon is about a place called Balloon Land whose residents are made entirely out of balloons. The villain in the cartoon is the Pincushion Man, a character who walks around Balloon Land popping inhabitants with pins. That's my actual nightmare. I hate balloons. Yeah, he straight up just shows up and like kills people just in front of everyone, I think. So that's terrifying. And I'm scared. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. We will see you guys for our mid-season finale episode next week. See you later, gators. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye.